Last week, we just thanked the Lord for 2019, didn't we? And just some of the amazing stuff he's doing in us and through us. And one of the things is we're growing and growing fast, hundreds of new people. And uh, what that means is it puts a real strain on our car parking. And some of you may, may be able to attest to some of the difficulties. And so we have two immediate needs. One is we need more car parking spaces. And, and uh, we are talking to our neighbours, specifically Millennium opposite. We used to before Millennium came in, um, the previous owners used to allow us to use their car park. And so I've started conversations with them about being able to use the car park in spaces on a Sunday. That would open up 50 or so spaces, a game changer. So can I ask that you pray this week for that? That's really important um, because it is a stretch. But also we need people. And it's very rare that I will get up here and have such a, a direct request, but here it is. We need six new people by the end of today. Okay, six to be on the amazing car parking team. It's only once a month. It's not like I'm recruiting you for this afternoon. Okay, and it's just an amazing way. Did you know that the car parking team are the front line of this place? Yeah, they welcome people here. And I want to just, in all seriousness, I want to ask you, if you can sign up, can you consider it? Because you will change someone's day by how you welcome them. We want to remove all the obstacles in people's way to be able to come here and encounter Jesus. And so I want to ask you, if, if God is prompting you to say, you know what, I can do one, once a month, and, and I want to look as good as Mark with this high-vision top, <laughs> then Mick, who heads up the car parking team, amazing Mick, is going to be at the welcome desk with one of these. Can you go and speak to him? Do you think we can get six by the end of today with two services? We can do it, can't we? You know, let's, uh, let's serve in such a, an amazing way. And uh, now I'm sorry, I'm going to take this off. Apologies. Oh, yeah, whatever. Thank you. <laughs> But do sign up. So thank you for letting me uh, talk about that. Um, you know, it's been amazing. We kicked off uh, this year with our Thanksgiving service. Who was here for that? Yeah. How'd you find it? Yeah, it was great. And are you implementing a rhythm of Thanksgiving into your world and your lives? Yeah. I've had so many emails and messages for people saying how transforming that word is. And trying to get into that rhythm of taking time out, whether it's you lying in bed at night and just spend a few moments thanking God before you fall asleep, or waking up, or every time you open the fridge, say, thank you, Lord. You know, whatever it might be, let's get into a rhythm of thanking Jesus. Um, because we looked at the five benefits, the five reasons of Thanksgiving, and if you missed the talk, you can catch up online or our smartphone app, and I'd encourage you to, uh, to do that. And so what we did, we had these little cards uh, which we asked you to write those things that you are thankful for. And we said that uh, what we're going to do is we're going to put it up during the week and reveal an image, and no doubt you would have seen that image. It is, of course, of Jesus. That's why we're able to, and that's who we thank, Jesus, for everything. And some of you who are older than me will know that's Robert Powell, the actor from uh, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the movie. And I just want to say thank you to Roger Chowler and, um, and uh, Chantel Sinclair as well on the team for working on that. It was their idea with uh, Emma and Kate in the office that came up for that. And you know what I've got? I've got this short little video, a time lapse of them putting together. Who wants to see it? Yeah, let's watch that. That'd be awesome. Wow. Why don't we give Roger and Chantel a hand, hey? That's amazing. Let's leave that up there. And so, you know, our, collectively our Thanksgiving reveals the image of Christ, doesn't it? Because that's what it's all about. It's about Jesus. And uh, there are still some spaces. You can actually go out there and write on it. If you weren't here last week, and by the way, for those of you who took some of those away with you, that's fine. 
Don't worry, bring them back. There is an amnesty going on today for tiles. <laughs> Uh, uh, but do write on them and have a read. It's just, I, I took some time out on Tuesday to read all this, and it's just amazing to see what God is doing in us and through us. And so we're going to leave that up uh, for a while, and so I'd encourage you to do that. Now, this is a perfect segue in term, into our new series, because the truth is, it's all about Jesus, as I said. It's all about Jesus and I've been praying about this year, and this word keeps coming up, encounter, encounter. Because deep in our hearts, we've been created to encounter Jesus. Why? Because when we do, our lives are transformed. You know, I love, love being a pastor. I love speaking to people about how Jesus moves in their, in their world. And I spoke to a, a couple last week, and the lady was saying, you know, this past year... I've just encountered Jesus and he's just transformed my world. And that's what it's all about. That's why we're here. We don't come here to hear my bad jokes and see me in high-vis jackets. Pleasant though that is, I'm sure. <laughs> we come here to encounter Jesus because Jesus changes lives. And I believe this is going to be a year of encounters with Jesus. We're going to see an increase. We're going to see an increase because the Holy Spirit is blowing in this place. You know, at the start of last year, I said that my two overriding convictions, and number one, that we're in the final hour, that Jesus is going to come again soon, and number two, that revival is about to come. What is revival? It's an outpouring of his spirit, an extraordinary move of the spirit producing extraordinary results. And we've seen the Lord move so powerfully last year, but there's more to come. There is an acceleration occurring in the spirit, and so this is going to be a year of, an enc of encounter. Who's up for that? I want to encounter Jesus. And you know, let me just tell you, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've come from, what road you are traveling on, we can all encounter Jesus. We can all encounter Jesus. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at stories in the gospel accounts of encounters with Jesus. Because as we do, we're going to learn about who he is and his love for us. We're going to uncover the promises of God towards us. And we're going to see who we are in this amazing story as well. And so what we're going to start this week, who are we going to start with? We're going to start with the story of the woman with the issue of blood, as it's called. This amazing story that we can find, and let's turn together in, in uh, Mark, the Gospel of Mark and we're going to read it from that account in chapter 5, 24 to 34. And we're going to look at this story and see how it can apply to us today, what we can learn. And we're going to read this together. And then we're going to just let the text do the talking. We're going to unpack it together. So let's turn together, as I said, to Mark chapter 5, 24 to 34. And so, a bit of background. Jesus is on the way to uh, one of the synagogue leaders' house because his daughter was about to die, and yet something happens on the way to this leader's house, and we're going to read this together from chapter 24. So Jesus went with them, a large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. 
When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding the gate, soon his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What an encounter. Wow, what an encounter with Jesus. And you know, of course I could use this to teach on healing, but that's not what I want to do this morning. Healing is part of the story. Because if we actually let the text do the talking, what we will find here is that it uncovers hallmarks of an encounter with Jesus. What is a hallmark? It's a distinctive characteristic because there are distinctive characteristics of an encounter with Jesus. Why? Because there are counterfeits out there. And we need to be aware of that. And so what I want to do is I set the scene for the next few weeks in this amazing series called Encounter as we look at these stories together. Is I want to give us the five hallmarks of encounters with Jesus. The five hallmarks of encounters with Jesus. And there are many more. This is not an exhaustive list. In fact, it was difficult for me to bring it down to five. So five it is. And we're going to start by looking at the first one that we can learn from this most amazing of stories. It is this. It doesn't matter what state you're in and who you are. It doesn't matter what state you're in and who you are. Here she was, as we learnt, unable to go outside. Here she had been subject to bleeding. In fact, the scholars, as they look at the original text, said that she was probably hemorrhaging. Twelve years, can you imagine? The physical pain, it's, it's surprising that she wasn't already dead. <laughs> but Jesus had a plan for her. But not just that, she would have been isolated, alone. You see, the law state, the Jewish law stated that she was ceremonially unclean. And see, she couldn't go around anybody else. And so not just physically did she need healing, but psychologically, spiritually as well. Here she was in this state, alone and isolated. And no doubt her whole identity would have been wrapped up in her illness and would have, would have been, well, who am I? I'm just this sick woman but it doesn't matter what state you're in and who you are. You can just imagine, can't you, the story? She's in her house and she hears this kerfuffle outside. Hey, Jesus is here. What, Jesus? You mean that guy that has been healing everyone? Yeah, Jesus. You know, he just healed Fred. He was the one in the tomb. You can read that earlier on in the chapter. No way. You're kidding me. Yeah. This man can do anything. And you can imagine this poor woman sitting there saying, oh, that's what I need. Do you know how much money I've spent and how much time to cure myself? And, and as it says in the text here, she ended up worse than she began. And so 
this woman, weak, isolated, living a life seemingly looking from the outside in, feeling completely disconnected. This woman, ceremonially unclean, what did she decide? She says, you know what? I'm going to make a break for it. I'm going to try and reach out. Can you imagine the guts? Can you imagine the faith spelled R-I-S-K? I'm going to go for it. Now, here's the interesting thing. You see, the teachers of the law who would have been surrounding Jesus with the other synagogue leaders, they would have expected her to be clean first before she could speak to them. (laughs) But not with Jesus. You see, the good news of Jesus is that you don't need to be well to encounter him. The good news of Jesus is that you don't have to get it all sorted out before you encounter him. Every other religion will tell you, be better, behave, be good, then you can encounter God. Uh, uh, uh. With Jesus, you can encounter him wherever you are. You know, it said in Mark chapter 2, when Jesus was confronted by the the synagogue leaders, he was having dinner with sinners. And Jesus said, listen, it's not for the healthy I've come for, it's for the sick. Don't you get it? (laughs) Come as you are, we often say here, come as you are. And so here, our hero, this woman, her faith rises up and she decides to go for it. And you can imagine she, she has the courage to get out of a door, but as she approaches, there's a large crowd. She says, how on earth? This isn't even worth it. Look at all the important people around Jesus. Who am I? Surely Jesus is just for the pastors. <laughs> Surely Jesus is just for the volunteers that serve. Surely Jesus is for anybody else other than me. No. She goes, if I can just reach his clothes. And so she makes a break for it and she reaches out. Can I just say to you this morning, you don't need to be well to reach out to Jesus. Don't allow the enemy to hold you back by saying, "Uh uh-uh, you know that sin you did last week? You can't go and spend time praying. I mean, am I the only one that experiences that, that lie of the enemy? Uh, 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 you've had a bad life. You better tick a few boxes first so that you're good and then maybe have a conversation with Jesus. It's a lie of the enemy. Why? Because he wants to hold you back. And you might look and think, well, hold on a minute. Who am I? Jesus is is a very important person. He only has crowds of important people around him. Uh, uh, Ah, Jesus came for all men. It doesn't matter what state you're in and who you are. Number two, what can we learn from this? A hallmark of an encounter with Jesus. I love this. Jesus can do things man cannot do. Jesus can do things man cannot do. You know, this lady had spent how much we don't know, but money. She ran out of money trying to find a solution, chasing her healing. Did it help? Did it help her? No. In fact, we read it made her worse. 12 years she had been going in a direction which would take her to the end of herself. So let me tell you this morning, where men failed, Christ succeeds. Where men fail, Christ succeeds. And and this story paints a picture where Jesus became her last resort. What if we lived lives where Jesus was our first port of call? 
And you can say, well, I'm not in that boat, Mark. I'm not in that situation. Or do we turn to drink to dull the pain of hurt and disappointments and our insecurities? How much money is spent on alcohol with people trying to self-medicate? Does it make it any better? No. What if we went to Jesus with our pain and our disappointment first? Instead of wasting our money on trying to self-medicate us. How much money is spent on gambling to try and get a fix, that feeling? Maybe it's none of that. Do we turn to sex outside of marriage, going from one relationship bed to another to try and find the affirmation that we need? Does it help? As it's been said, you can't put a condom on your heart. <laughs> Think about it. It's true. It's true. What if we went to Jesus first and saved ourselves from going in that direction? What about this? Do we turn to gossip and slander to give us the self-esteem boost that we need so that we can feel better than everyone else? Do we turn to, well, friends, you can fill in the gaps. Let's not look at this story and say, what a silly woman. Because I know I've, I've done it before myself in so many areas. That rather than going to Jesus first, he has always been my last resort. What kind of lives could we leave if we went to Jesus first? That is what an encounter with Jesus is all about. Because Jesus can do things man cannot do. And I want to encourage you, if you're in any of those buckets there, any of those places, go to Jesus. Stop throwing money at things that will never satisfy you. Oh, let me read you Isaiah 55, 1 to 2. It's such a beautiful verse. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. As a people, let us make a choice that God is no longer our last resort but our first port of call because Jesus can do things that man cannot do. Number three, third hallmark of an encounter with Jesus. I love this. We seek him in part. He seeks us for all of him. We seek him in part, but yet he seeks us for all of him. Have you seen this in the story? She reached out for her physical healing, didn't she? There was a need. And that's often how we go and first step those, those steps to Jesus. We have a need and that's fine. But Jesus has so much more. This is always the case with Jesus. And what happened in this story, she, she seeked out his garment and she got her physical healing, but Jesus stopped. And all of a sudden, the tables are turned. You can just imagine this. Who just touched me? 
And some people go, oh boy, they're in trouble. Don't touch me. No, that's obvious. Yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> and then he goes, who touched me? And the disciples are like, are you kidding me? Have you seen how many people are here? Is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Yes, it's worth it. You see, when you reach out to Jesus with all you've got, any which way you can scramble, he'll stop. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. James 4, 6. It doesn't matter how you scramble to Jesus. Let me tell you that right now. It doesn't matter if you're on your knees saying, I've got nothing left in me. Jesus will stop. He was on the way to an important person's house. He'll stop for you. Why? Because you're important. She was about to turn from the devil's nobody to Jesus' somebody. And he stopped. And he didn't do so in order to tell her off, how dare you, don't you touch me, do you know who I am? He didn't so do so to expose her, to shame her, to condemn her in front of people. No, he did so to expose her faith and affirm and accept her. He did so because while the physical healing was amazing, she was about to find out that he had something way more. Because where before she just saw the back of his head, she was about to see his face. Some of you have just been seeing the back of Jesus' garment and you've been touching base whenever you needed what you needed. And Jesus said, oh, wait, stop. And you're like, no, no, no I'm sorry. <laughs> I got what I needed. Or I'm just too fearful, Lord. What do we read? She was trembling. And yet she came and she went down like this, it says, and it, she told him her whole truth. How many of you need to get to that point of telling Jesus everything? Well, I got my healing, so he can, I don't want Jesus to touch that side of my life because, well, if he only knew. No, he, he already knows. <laughs> he already knows. And then what happens? Number four. What's the fourth hallmark of an encounter with Jesus? <laughs> Our identity is changed forever. How does Jesus address her? Hey, woman, up until this point, she is called the woman. And what does he say? Daughter. Daughter. That one simple word, she is changed in a second. No longer was her identity the woman with the issue of blood. No longer was her identity based on her failings and her shortcomings. But she was known as daughter. Such a simple word and yet so much power. Romans 8.15, Paul says this to the church in Rome. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Daddy. And what does it mean to be called a daughter or son? It means that you're part of his family. And part of the family means you walk in the inheritance that he has for you. You see, some of you are not walking in the fullness that God has for you because you're just touching base when you need a healing or need this and the other. 
And Jesus said, I've got way more for you. I've got the fullness of my life, the peace, the joy, the love. That's why I died on the cross. That's why I rose again as we celebrated today in communion. You see, when you become his, all he has becomes yours. Did you know that? When you become his, all he has becomes yours. We can walk in freedom. We can walk in the plans and purposes that he has for us. Why? Because we are his. His victory over the cross, over sin, is now our victory. Why? Because we are his. Are you getting this? Your identity is not failure. Your identity is not your shortcomings. Your identity is son and daughter. Jesus came into the world not to condemn it, but to bring peace. That's why he came, to accept you. And that leads me to number five. Number five, our lives will never be the same again. That is a true encounter with Jesus. Healed physically, yes, but more than that, what happened in this story? He said in verse 34, Jesus said this, listen, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, where it says healed you, the original text is actually better rendered your faith has made you whole. The Greek word for that one is sozo. Do you know what that means? Saved, healed, and whole. You see, why did Jesus say you've now been healed when she was already healed? Because now she was spiritually healed. She was spiritually healed. Saved. You see, her confession of faith, of who Jesus was, was enough. He said, you're now whole. And what did he say? Go in peace. Go in peace. Peace restored with God the Father. And isn't this amazing? She came unclean and she left cleansed. Isn't this amazing? She came with the issue of blood and it was Jesus' blood that washed her. Isn't that amazing? It's because Jesus was to die on the cross and shed his blood for her that she was able to be cleansed. And not just for a moment, but for all eternity. I'd like to invite the band up. To summarize, and what a great story, hey? I love it when we let the text do the talking. It gives us so much. Five hallmarks. It doesn't matter what state you're in and who you are, you can encounter Jesus. And if you're here this morning, you're holding yourself back when Jesus says, hey, I've got something for you. Don't be held back because of who you think you are and what you've done. It doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't matter. Number two, Jesus can do things man cannot do. If you're self-medicating in any of those ways, stop. You're wasting your money. Did you know you don't need money for Jesus? Money not required. Number three, we seek him in part, but he has so much more for you. If you are only willing to stop and give him your whole truth, then he can come into your life in all its fullness. And number four, our identity has changed forever. And number five, our lives will never be the same again. So what happened to this woman? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us, but uh, we can imagine, can't we? A life of freedom, able to socialize again, able to have a life that she never had before, new opportunities, new friends. 
But you know, we don't have to guess too much because while the Bible doesn't outline what happened, through historical documents and church tradition, we know a little bit about this lady. Did you know that? There's a, a bishop called Uberius, and he's called often the church or the father of church history. And he has been said to have said he saw her house. And outside, she had created two monuments, one of, one of Jesus and one of her, as a thankfulness offering to say thank you. But more than that, she wanted the whole world to know the encounter that she had with Jesus. And church tradition states that her and her husband went off to go later in their lives to share the good news of the gospel. That's an encounter with Jesus. Because encountering Jesus isn't just for us. It's so that we can go and tell the world about him too. If we just do church on our own in these four walls, then we've missed the point. Because there's a world out there that needs to encounter Jesus. Are you going to go and tell them about Jesus? I love the story of Nina sent me an email about she was in the shop recently, Nina Bjorn, and she saw a guy with a bad back, and she said, excuse me, she, she said I could share this story. Said, excuse me, uh, can, I, can I pray for you? And the guy looked a bit, well, really? I said, yeah, I pray. So she prayed. He's like, whoa. He said, if 10 was really bad, where are you now? He goes, well, I'm a four. What's going on? I'll pray again, Nina said, prayed again. Healed in the supermarket. Bless Nina. That guy had an encounter. He said, you've got to come on to church. I want to end with a story of encounter. You know, this is a testimony of someone that's joined our church last year. And uh, she wrote this, and I want to read it to you. <clears throat> Two years ago, I felt broken. I was living in a violent relationship had been caring for an estranged father with stage four cancer, holding down a demanding job in the city and diagnosed with a life-threatening disease. But this did not break me. God broke me. He gracefully broke me when he gave me the strength to change my life. I lost my home, my friends, my job, and some family. Instinctively, I put on another mask of pretending everything was okay. I had to for my kids, for my worried friends and my family and for myself. But God knew how I felt. I settled in my third refuge with my kids. The refuge was connected to the Vineyard Church here who have fed and clothed my youngest two since I came to St. Albans. The ability to give my baby the best without being able to provide the best is God's grace. I've been able to dress my daughter in pretty dresses for birthday parties so she doesn't feel like the odd one out. I knew no one in Hertfordshire as the police had deemed my home as a risk area, but coming to feed on a Monday allowed me to get out of the house, socialize and, and make some forever friends this was God's grace. I received a life box from some women in the church with truest, lovely items in it, an abundance of luxury and love, attention that I had not received or allowed myself in years. 
I felt like God himself was saying he had not forgotten about me. This was God's grace. I knew that I was a child of God, a daughter, and favored, so I started trying to, to pay God some attention back. I started coming to church on Sundays. I did an introduction course with the, whole, with the church, which felt like a release for my soul. Now all I want to do is make God proud of me. I've joined a team and a connect group. I'm trying to cling to God in any way I can. My life is richer now than it's ever been. I had to be gracefully broken in order for God to rebuild it to the potential that he knew I could have, to be the person that he knew I should be. I'm still building and walking in my new life, but I feel free. Can we stand together? Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we would encounter you. Wherever you are at now on your journey, my encouragement to you is to reach out to him. Maybe you need to get out the house and just as the lady did, take a risk and say, you know what? Yeah, I need to know Jesus. Maybe you've been touching his garments so long and you've heard him say, hey, just stop. And yet fear has held you back from giving him the whole truth. If that's you, give him the whole truth. And maybe some of you just need to hear son and daughter. Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to us now as we worship you.